Hello, y'all. My name is Peter, and welcome to another great episode of Murray Musings, celebrating the best Scottish tennis player the world has ever seen, Andy Murray. Joining us, we have our co-hosts from Scotland, Scott and Claire, Hi. and we've got a great <laughs> guest for today's first week recap of the French Open. How are y'all doing, Scott and Claire? Yeah, not Good, so bad. Thank Doing you. Good. Good. Looking you? forward to this. Good. Looking forward to this. Um, so we've got Alex Gruskin joining us. Alex is the editor-in-chief of the podcast Cracked Racket, which has racked up over 1,000 episodes, and he's a play-by-play guy. Um, I got the pleasure to hear from Alex as he was calling matches just recently at the NCAA Championships in Orlando. Alex, how are you doing today? Well, now I'm blushing, so thank you for that introduction. <laughs> That's very, very kind of you to say. Um, yeah, when you say a 1,000, it makes me feel old. It's just like, okay, it's added up. Like, I got it. That's a big number. But it's also in a very nice humble brag, so I always appreciate that. And it's French Open time. How could I not be doing well? How are you doing today, Peter? Doing good. Doing good. A little tired. Um, I've been waking up at about 4 and 5 in the morning sometimes. I, so oh the first day it was like a kid on Christmas and just really <laughs> excited. Um, now it's just like we're in what, you know, the second week really um, and just uh, finishing the third round. So we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but uh, first, we always love to chat about your origin story of how you got into tennis um, and uh, where you're at right now in your journey. Um, so can you tell us about how you got into the sport, what led you um, into loving it, etc.? Yeah, start the clock, uh, just to be clear, because <laughs> I mean, again, I'd say the once we hit part six of the series, you can be like, all right, you know, that could have been a five-part saga. But <laughs> obviously, to Scott and Claire, I'm and to say hello to you all as well. Thank you very much for having me. Um, hey. I, I think it starts the same way a lot of people get into it, which is that I grew up playing the sport. And I think in tennis in particular, because it is an individual sport, if you love it, if you continue to play it, it just becomes a part of your bones. Like, it's just part of your being. And sadly, I think my parents would be like, look at what your brothers are doing, Alex. Like, they're doing so great. Why do you love this tennis thing? That's not how they talk, by the way. Like, that's just the impression I do of my mom. It's just kind of stuck. She'll be like, Alex, I don't talk like that. And I'll be like, no, like, you kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll send this episode to her. Yeah, uh, no, believe me when I say she'll listen. No one has listened. You mentioned those 1,000 episodes. There's one person who's listened to all of them and it's my mother which is why you love her oh, cool. right I love that. yeah I, love that. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing because she's like you, you're so self-deprecating you don't need to do that <laughs> um, i'm like come on like no that's how you build trust with the audience mom that's how it works um she's also the best straw man to attack like, you know anyways anyways um so how do I get into tennis? I, why I was so excited to come on a podcast named the Murray Musing Podcast is because a lot of it has to do with Andy Murray. Let's start with the comparisons. Oh, wow. oh. If my video ever works, you'll see I'm also bald or getting there far too quickly. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I have long hair right now. I'm really not that bald yet. Again, self-deprecating, Alex. Stop it. Um, but uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, I just – I could, I, you know, I like to think of myself a little bit of a rebel, and everyone loves Federer, and it's not that it's not fun to watch Roger Federer, but early on, I was like, I've seen it, like, and, yes, you know, yeah. again, Nadal, 
it's just so relentless. Like, I could tell you every shot of a Nadal-Federer match right now. It's going to go cross-court, cross-court. Nadal got a backhand. He's going down the line. Federer chips down the line. Nadal back down the line. And it's just, there's the play-by-play, the simulation. Um, and again, this is part one. Part two starts now. Um, and so we get to just, again, uh, watching Murray play. I was like, whoa, what's that? Like, that just seems obtainable. That seems like a normal human who just works his ass off and yes. has gotten super, super good at tennis and gotten super, super fit. And I think I could do that. Cause I, and again, I couldn't. It's a short story. <laughs> um, but I was like, maybe, just maybe, uh, it just felt so relatable. And then also, you know, again, I was a chubby kid. This is the sob story. This is where you really hook people in. Um, I was a little bit on the chubbier side when I was younger. And then when going into 10th grade, because I'd made varsity as a freshman, but I didn't play. And I was like, I want to play because my brother was a senior. And I got, played like six hours a day, got super skinny. I remember orientation that year, helping the freshman girl who I thought was really cute in my grade. was like, Alex, you, you look good. And I was like, yes, I do look good. Let's go. Uh, and I thank tennis for that. And then the love kind of started. And, you know, there's some other details along the way. But I'm leaving college, and I wanted to keep it in my life. I had a real-world job. And I was like, well, I don't want to feed balls because I'm not good at good enough to do that at a high level and like I want to keep tennis in my life I, whenever I've talked about tennis people have generally laughed and I'm like maybe I should try that for a living and I you know there's what about podcasting and that was 2017 started full-time at Crack Rackets 2020 1,000 podcasts later and a little less hair we've come full circle Wow. Jeez. That was long. I apologize. Again, that's how you no, fill a thousand no, podcasts fine. with no. that sort of exposition. Well, but like in all in all seriousness, that kinda like leads us on really well to like the first question, which I was gonna ask. About the podcast. Like so you're currently sitting uh, with Murray Musings um, a podcast which has 20 well, I think this is gonna be our twenty second, is that right? Twenty third episode? Like yeah. um which for us feels like an astronomical amount, like, because we've been going, like, since the start of the year, and we and we pretty much put out one, like, every single week so far, um, and, like, something, like, we're like, oh, my gosh, we're, you know, we're, we're cracking on with this, we're being super consistent with this, but then, like, we see someone like yourself, who has done, like, a thousand episodes, can you, like, tell us a little bit about, you know, how, how you've kept the motivation going for this, and how, like, you know, how you've kind of pushed through to a thousand episodes, because I think... Like that number seems so like <laughs> like out of reach at the moment. I don't know. I don't know about Clay. Like Clay, this is where Clay and Pierre are gonna be like, hey, Scott, we're easily gonna make a thousand episodes on Murray Musings, but like <laughs> we're easily gonna get it. Um, but like yeah, hearing like the like a thousand, like that's like that that's an insane amount of of podcast episodes. How yeah? yeah how how, how have you kept that kind of motivation going on? Mm-hmm. No, so I didn't mean to cut you off, Claire. Were you saying something? No, I was just saying t- a thousand. A thousand is mm. wild, you know. I, I'm I'm mentally trying to calculate how many, <laughs> how many weeks it would take like, us. <laughs> well, how many, well, actually, I know I know how many weeks it would take us because we're doing one a week, yeah. so it would take us a thousand that. weeks. I'm trying to think how many years would it take yeah, us to get to a thousand. Yeah, I think that's a quality twenty, assuming you take two weeks off just because you required yeah, so yeah, annual week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again. <laughs> I like to show off that I'm very ta- like armchair math smart. Like that's the easy stuff, please. <laughs> Fifth grade CML champion. Um, but no, I I appreciate you guys saying that. Um, it's I mean, there's some accounting cheating. I am American. Let's be clear. That's what we do best. Mm-hmm. And like you know, from the presser segments where I'm interviewing players, it's 
three five-minute segments clipped together. Technically, okay. that's released as a Cracked Interviews podcast. This is probably where I should name them. We've got the Great Shot podcast, which is – well, uh, let me explain the ones that make sense first. There's the Mini Break podcast, which is our daily roundup of the biggest storylines, results, and controversies uh-huh. from the tennis world. Today is insert date. Uh, I've said that like 500 times in my life, and that's the daily one. And it's just – because tennis is a very fluid sport and – Things happen every different day, and every different day can be observed in a vacuum. Now, the shelf life of the Mini Break podcast, you probably don't want to listen to what happened three Thursdays ago right now. But there are there is a fixation of, for those fans out there who do want their daily fix, who want to know, hey, what happened today? Give me five minutes on the three biggest matches, then run through the rest of the results. Or at least that's what I tell myself. And God, thank the Lord, no one has told me otherwise thus far. <laughs> and like, then once you do it, you get, uh, I mean, maybe this is just a me thing, but I think you guys can understand this feeling. You get a little obsessive. You're like, Okay, uh-huh. well, I want to talk about today's results because if I don't talk about them today, I'm never going to get the chance to talk about them because mm-hmm. who cares two days from now? And then you start doing it daily. And I, I, you know, before we weren't in the early years and it was like, all right, we missed a pod during one week. So we have to catch up on two weeks. Mm-hmm. And there was this really great first round match between, at the time, we'll say, Ernesto Escobedo and Tommy Paul at the Carry Challenger. But there's no fucking way you can justify doing five minutes on yeah. that two weeks later mm-hmm. because no one cares. And so that was where I just would get frustrated. I'm like, we're going daily, guys. I'm sorry. We're doing it. And thank the Lord, I have the best producer in the world in Daniel Westhoff. It's funny. We had this discussion today. And he's just – imagine we're 20 minutes in or 10 minutes in. Imagine hearing my voice every day, editing my face whenever there's video. (laughs) And then you walk out of where you do all of that work, and I'm your roommate across the hall. And that's super producer Daniel Westoff. And it's like, you still love me. Like, I don't get it. Like, what, how, what, what's going on here, man? Like, something's crazy. And he just gets me in a way no one else does creatively. And to get mm-hmm. to work with someone like that, it becomes very easy to do the work. And then again, I get to watch tennis for a living. I am privileged enough to do it full time. Like, I think that's a luxury a lot of people are very uh, – justifiably, I was myself, you know, trying to pursue and – I just don't want to screw it up. Like, yeah, I, yeah. So, so might as well mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. That's, That's unbelievable. Like, the, it's really interesting you say that about like you know, um, like doing doing like daily kind of like podcasts because like, I think I think we've we've already kind of had that like kind of situation where we're like, you know what, we'll do it weekly, and then like we quickly find out that tennis doesn't work like that. Tennis doesn't allow you to just like chat about things weekly yeah. without very quickly report and you end up finding yourself reporting on like old news because like you're chatting about something and you'll be like wait a minute that was like two weeks ago now like you know what i mean like because tennis just is like an ever kind of revolving door of news so like i don't know like uh, what i'm saying claire pierre i think we need to go daily too (laughs) (laughs) i mean if you can churn them out daily (laughs) sure why not uh, I'll tell you what, as soon as you start paying us better wages, I'm not the boss. I'm not the boss of Murray News HQ. <laughs> Let me just clarify that. But um, No, and to your point, because I early on, and again, I played club tennis in college. This is, We're in part three now. And um, the person I started the podcast with, it was two people, a guy who could do the producing by the name of Max Fliegner, who uh, is doing fantastic. I think he's in med school right now, so he's doing great things and still at it whenever he can. But then my former full-time co-host, Max Rothman, who has a full-time job that isn't tennis, like, we were in those meetings where I was like, dude, like, 
we're talking about this match. And he's like, no, we're not, Alex. Like, if we do that, I'm going to be sitting here for three and a half hours, and I'm not sitting here for three and a half hours because you're not paying me. (laughs) And it's like, that's fair. Like, I get it. And so, like, credit to you guys and credit to any tennis podcaster out there who is taking the time because tennis is a sport that deserves as much coverage as possible because there are so many things that happened. And again, not to butter my own biscuit here, but I'm getting loose, so might as well. Um, <laughs> it's like, I, I, it's what tennis fans deserve is a daily product where at least you're like, all right, well, what did happen on Tuesday, May 17th? Because it's relevant to Thursday, May 19th. And it's like, let me go check mm-hmm. the mini break podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, I feel I feel there's um, th- there was a, a, a bit of a time at the, the beginning of the year when we didn't have as much Andy Murray content that would allow <laughs> us to, to, to have done a daily oh, podcast. But um, I feel like even now we probably could do a, a daily podcast just to talk about <laughs> what Andy's doing. Oh no, wait, what Andy's not doing. <laughs> oh wait, what, what Andy's doing. So um, Did you cry yeah, during the documentary? Be... I cried. Like yes. that was, I, I was many tears. Uh. Okay, good. It's yeah. collective because to your point, Claire, sorry again, but yeah, I need a little more, right? It's like, I miss him. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh uh, God, uh, yes. Uh, so much. Uh, so much. So that actually just opens up the door for us to just start talking yeah, about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look at it. So being, being the, the Andy Murray obsessive podcasters that mm. we are, um, we always like to hear... Um, our guest thoughts on mm-hmm. Andy um, and what, you know, where, where do you see him going from here? Like what's his legacy? Um, and I am particularly impressed, Alex, that you are a staunch advocate of calling it the big four <laughs> uh, because I really do take it personally uh-huh. when people say that Andy doesn't deserve to be up there with um, the big three and that he's, and this is absolutely no disrespect to Sam Vavrinka at all because I think he's a fantastic tennis player. <laughs> but this I good. don't think, I do not think that Stan and Andy should be compared side by side. Um, so I'm I'm really keen to, to get your thoughts on things. Yeah, it's going to be on my tombstone. Like, I lock that in <laughs> right now. I promise you that fact. And, I, you know, this was... This is good podcasting, steering away from a question you asked earlier that I wasn't ready to answer because I had to look up the year and make sure it was the 2008 Wimbledon, year of my bar mitzvah, so it'll always be near and dear to my heart. Uh, that was the year Andy ran in the stands against Gasquet. That was that oh, match. That yeah. was, I, was the five-set match. And I'm 13 it. years old, and that was where I was, or 12 years old at the time because it was before October. I don't want my, anyways. Um, yeah, October 6th, <laughs> when you guys have gear, that's when you send me the Murray Musing shirt. Um, we will do that. We will so, do that. Um, yeah, exactly. But um, it, I just – I remember the Wimbledon crowd going insane and mm-hmm. saying to myself, that is – what? what is this? Like, it, tennis can be that cool. Like, I had no idea. And then mm-hmm. they filled the fucking Murray Mound. Sorry. But it was like they did. And yeah. it was always filled. And it was always like there are this many people in this country interested in tennis. Tennis can be that exciting and set off roars. And one of the things we do at Crack Rackets is cover college tennis very closely. In uh-huh. my opinion, there are two things. Like, the, well, the French crowd deserves this because they are always insane. They are. Um, but <laughs> the French crowd, period, Wimbledon when it's cheering for a British player – and uh-huh. then college tennis, those are the like those are the three crowds that matter, that can actually impact a player, make a difference, change a match. And 
Andy Murray was my first exposure to that environment ever. And then again, the physicality, the backhand. I People are wrong. They're like, the 2012 final between Nadal and Djokovic. You're just wrong. The semifinal was better. Like, the, yes, were the, yes. was the fourth set? The fourth set was terrible. <laughs> like, yes, the fourth set was very, very bad. I will give you that counterpoint. Murray kind of went away. Yeah, yeah, but like... And when he points, when he wins that second set, I get goosebumps. Sti- or third set, excuse me, as well. It's so the third set breaker, right? That goes yeah. his way to two sets to one lead. And I like, I could tell you the rallies that happened. I used to have nightmares about the never-ending rally where you're like, yep. oh my god, we're going side to side to side to side, and that's what they were doing. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. I, yeah. like the final wasn't that good. A Nadal match can only be so good. A Murray Djokovic match was the rivalry. Yes, yes. Yeah. That 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 just clarify. That's the Australian Open. Which talk about right like, yeah of course yeah, of course it's, yeah. oh, like i i i 100 i'm so glad you've said that because like I don't, i'm not sure i think we talked about it like right in one of our very first episodes of murray musings right like about like uh, some of our like favorite matches and stuff and that that semi-final is always up there for me because you're yeah. like exactly right like that was like for me like murray was competing against a Djokovic that was you know obviously like you know better rested than the one that appeared in the final you know like and like you know he like was still almost just as competitive as nadal was apart from that fourth set we'll forget about that um <laughs> but yeah i'm so glad you said that out thank you so much yeah. um no, it's, but- it's fine i was just, just to add to the story that mm. the litmus test for me because i do watch a lot of tennis mm. and there's this one day it was like it was later than I cared to admit. It was like one one thirty two a.m. because that's what you stay up to watch tennis when it's in Asia in the fall swing, which is when this happened. And mm-hmm. it was just late one night. And there hadn't been that much tennis during the day, and I was like, you know what? Like, I want to see if I still like watching tennis, like in my spare time, because it's my job now. Do I still like it? And I turned on Murray Djokovic and just. Let the story be told. I liked it. It was very, very fun. Yeah. And I was, and my roommate then again, Westoff, walks out. And he's like, "Dude, are you watching tennis?" And I was so <laughs> embarrassed. I was like, "I'd rather you caught me watching something else than this." But like, yes, like <laughs> this is yes, I'm watching tennis. I'll admit it. Um, um, and it was, but, it was um, worth it. Um, but yeah, like so, obviously massive fan. But yeah, like where do you see him? What what, what do you see him going? Where do you see him going now? Mm-hmm. Is that want- and we do we do like. We usually ask. We usually ask this right at the end of an episode, so we you know usually end you know like we usually toss this in. But we thought we'd start. You know, we thought we'd get into it. And like, if you know, if you do think he's done, like if you do think that is him finished, like that is okay. You can say that. We'll cry about it, and we'll never invite you back. But like, if <laughs> if, if if you do if you do think that that is him done, feel free to say. It. But if you don't, feel free to say that even like Yeah, it's so tough, and just because his game is so predicated on physicality and. Yeah. Again, the closest I, 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 it swells up. It swells up when you watch the, I'm getting closer. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, yeah, 20, yeah. and you just go back uh, and watch that video and you're just like, oh, man. And yeah. like, yeah. again, it's just, um, and, you know, six and a half out of 10 probably for that Murray impression. I apologize. I'm, ba- <laughs> I'm better than that. My doll is a little bit better. Um, yeah. But no, it's, uh, it's tough because you can just see – I mean the thing that makes me so sad, and we're going to nerd out now. I'm very excited to talk about Andy Murray. Um, 
the thing that's so sad is his game was so predicated on his ability to move laterally and to just absorb your pace, Mm -hmm. take your first strike away, and turn Mm -hmm. defense into offense, hit out of those corners, in particular moving to his left, hitting that backhand, digging low and finding down the lines or, you know, the cross-court flip pass and just, you know, the lob, just everything he can do off that wing— you know, yep. it was so predicated on swinging through that shot, and he just can't do that anymore. Yeah. And it's a different Andy Murray. And that doesn't mean he doesn't have the skills to be the aggressor, move forward. You can't say someone who won a title as recently as last year, like, just, you can't write him off already. Or was that last year, two At years the end ago? Of 2019, yeah. 2019. Yeah, not 2019. It's all blending. Yeah, it does. When I yeah, say yeah, last year. 2020 <laughs> yeah. doesn't count. And so, like, he did it. So it's fair, and he can play more aggressive, and there are surfaces where he can do that. But, like, the uh, the Nishioka match where they go five oh. sets like that match hurt to watch it did, it did. Yeah. and it like did. it was great to see him pull through but you could tell how much yep. of a struggle that was and so if you're asking me is he ever going to be able to repeat that sort of performance seven times at a major again probably not like yeah. no I don't know if he's got a slam title but can he play as long as he wants sure because he's Andy freaking Murray yeah yep. yeah I think yeah so do you do you think he made um, he made the right decision to to just completely skip Clay? Yeah, sure. You, I mean, I just want to see him play. I don't care yeah. where it yeah. could be. Exos in his backyard. If it's exclusively what the <laughs> Battle of the Brits, that's the series you guys have going on. Like if he's yeah. like, sorry, I only play Battle of the Brits because the appearance fees are huge. Yeah. I'd be like, all right, <laughs> like fine, do your thing. Yeah. Um, but to. Just, I want to see him maximize his time left, and if he thinks that's best done on grass, like, yes, go do it. Do what yeah. you got to do. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay, so just leveling back here to Battle of the Brits, and speaking of huge appearance fees. Okay. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Are you guys going to pay what me? You- Is this a, there's a surprise? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, just kidding. We're, we're, we're going to pay you in um, gratitude for your intelligence course. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, speaking of appearance fees, mm. what are your thoughts on Jamie Murray's comments recently um, about his, well, basically his disgust over um, the doubles players getting paid what can only be described as a pittance in comparison to the, the singles um, players? In fact, I think I saw something that said if Jamie had gone out in round one, he would have earned something like $5,000. Yeah. While... A player who'd gone out and a singles player who'd gone out in round one would have earned sixty thousand yep. in prize money. Yep. So um I just wanted to we were we were keen to get your thoughts on that, especially given that he is he's Andy's brother yeah. and Andy's like, you know, he's like the the superstar status and I, I mean I'm I must say I think Jamie's really coming into his own over the past couple of years, especially doing his tournament director stuff and battling yeah. the bits and he's now I I would say Jamie's no longer really known as Andy's brother, mm. but he's he's becoming Jamie Murray himself. Yeah. Um, but you know there is still that that there's that massive disparity there mm-hmm. between the two of them because one chose singles and one chose doubles. And just I wanted to see in in terms of like across the board for doubles, I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that as well, Alex. Yeah, it's I mean. I would guarantee you now, at some point, he will be head of the Lawn Tennis Association. Yeah. He will be head of the LTA. Yeah, like, yeah, you can yeah. lock that in now. That's mm-hmm. a future job for Jamie Murray. And 
again, appearance fees are the most underreported on because it's hard to get that information, not because people aren't curious in the story. Um, you know, it's again, we're opening rants on tennis Twitter, things that frustrate Alex <laughs> Gruskin. Um, but like, believe me, when you think, why is no one writing about this? It's because they are trying to and the access isn't there and you want to do a complete job. And so to even talk about appearance fees without having the complete numbers, it's a little bit speculative. At the same time, the players who command six figures for appearance fees to play anything that's not a Masters or a 1,000 event or obviously the Grand Slam, it, it's a real thing. And it, that number is in double digits. And it's just like how can we expect a tennis economy that struggles to find money anywhere to continue if appear- – there's this whole shadow economy of appearance fees. And it's not transparent at all at the same time. Given the point system, given the incentive structure of the way – we're really getting into it now if I'm bringing out the word incentive structure. Given the incentive <laughs> structure of the pro tour, it just – you know, why wouldn't these players command appearance fees? Why would you go play a random 250 event if you're a top 10 player who the points out of 250 are on the margins because you've racked up – you know, 2,500 points at the slams and the Masters events, so you're sitting pretty in that top 10 no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. You Tournaments need to appeal to the big stars because big stars drive the tickets and drive all of these things, and wild cards do as well, and wild cards kind of... Wild cards get the brunt of it because they're so public-facing, but appearances are the wild cards no one talks about because you're not getting a star to go play. Like, just again, it's a straw man, not to get into a larger discussion about him, but, like, you think Alex Zverev was playing those tournaments in Stuttgart for free? Like, yeah, no. Exactly, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. he plays yeah. those back-to-back because they're like, if you are here, even if it's only 25% capacity, we fill the 25%. And it's just like, okay, then I'll play it. Sure, it's $250,000. And it's like, the tournament's going to say yes, and it's just tournament after tournament after tournament. That get You know, again, that's where... It's tough to get players coming each and every year, and it's tough to pay doubles players at all when you have to pay the single stars. And again, that's the it's a structural issue is the yeah. answer, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah. I agree with it. I didn't address his comments there. Jamie Murray said it way brighter than I ever could. Like I, I was just going to say, like t- touch on like something that you said there about you know it's it's hard to kind of get like the like the, the figures necessary to like prove your case because like I, I saw I think. If he's listening to the podcast and it wasn't him, like like he'll he'll complain to us, but I, I highly doubt he's listening. I think it was Greg Rosetsky on Twitter. Um, tweeted something along the lines of saying, um, if uh, if if doubles players, um, full time doubles players, like you know, have this kind of argument or having this kind of argument, making this kind of case, they need to back up with facts and figures. Is it? I wonder if it's a kind of case that, like, in this regard, in in terms of like doubles, of you know, appearance, like. It's actually hard to get the facts and figures. It's hard to get a hold of that kind of information to make your case. Like, so, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, saw, I saw that argument from Greg Rizetsky. I don't, you know, not a huge Greg no, Rizetsky fan anyway, but, like... like it, it, to his point, it is hard. Or to your point, it is that hard because every tournament's its own entity. And, yeah. again, that's not... It, I know this isn't the most particularly interesting subject, but uh, it's a it's a problem because it's not you know, and every entity is competitive with one another. When Wimbledon paid out what was it, twenty million, forty million in prize money last year, despite having players not play, 
That was a mm-hmm. flex. That was, you know, it everything was. else is like, well, we can't do <laughs> like we can't do that. So, yeah. you know, again, they're not going to show off their books to a journalist either. And, no. you know, an agent is not going to throw their player under the bus and say, guess, guess how much I got my player in an appearance fee, which also impacts their salary as well. And they're not going to give away like this is the secret economy. Why would we talk about something that if it got exposure might go away? Yeah. Um, yeah. At the same time, like that's where a lot of the money is in tennis. And you just you think in terms of solutions, that's the obvious one that others smarter people than me have talked about before. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the push. And it's like, will will we ever learn that information? I would guess yeah. probably not. No, it's not like it's not like you can do a freedom of information. Just tell me. No one thinks I'm under no obligation. No, short of like a two drink in Andy Murray candid press conference where he's like, sit down. I've got some stories for you. And it's like, <laughs> Gasquet, 160,000. Actually, a little on the low side. You've seen that back end, and then you go, you're not, you know. David oh. Nalbandian, 200,000 and an endless supply of milkshakes. And you're like, oh, like, <laughs> of course. Like, wow. Like, yeah, exactly. Shit like that. That would be delightful. That would be great. Do you know what? It's funny because um, I, I don't know if um, if you ever had the opportunity to listen to the episode that we did with Liam Brody's yeah. coach, mm-hmm. Dave Samuel. Um, he was talking about his career as a tennis player. He made a comment during his origin story about how he eventually kind of got fed up with the travelling mm-hmm. around and he decided to just start playing for money. And when he said that, at first I was like, well, isn't that what you would always do? Like, aren't you always playing for money? But now I get it. I, I knew what he was talking about. It would have been an appearance yeah. fee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he said to him, it, it, it no longer meant that he had to worry about winning well, no, he, and building yeah. up his, his ATP points. He was just playing for money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I didn't want to sound like an absolute idiot at the time. Like, <laughs> can you just explain what you mean by that, Dave? Uh, but now, like, just having you talking about appearance fees, I'm like, oh, now it all makes perfect sense. Yeah, because someone outside the top 50, Claire, isn't going isn't gonna to demand a, an appearance fee, right? Like, yeah. we yeah. love Mackie McDonald. We, I, no, you guys do too, just yeah. so you know. You all do. You don't know it yet, <laughs> yeah, but you hopefully. do. Um, and it's like, well we're the only ones you know it's like that's not fair to him but it's like he doesn't drive ticket sales yeah you know if you get a top 10 player just so you can advertise on that top 10 player drives ticket sales obviously if you can get any of the high you know it's Tsitsipas, Virev, Medvedev obviously Federer, Djokovic, Nadal it's gonna cost like they know their worth like Mm -hmm. it and it's that's just how tennis works and there's nothing that in the current system there's nothing wrong with that that's how these players make their livelihood, but that is that's the dirty. I mean, at least in my opinion, there's many other things, but that's one of the contrib- that's the the sexiest of the factors. <laughs> Speaking of uh, dirty secret secrets, let's move on okay. um, to uh, the French Open, which is uh, still happening. Played on dirt, of course. Um, that's the correlation I, there. <laughs> yeah, I love this tweet from uh, Diego uh, Barbiani. Um, where there's so many storylines that are just amazing. I'll just say it like that. Um, I'll just read his tweet. Um, because of course, as I was saying, it's like, it's the third round already, but it's like so much has happened. Yeah. So he said, so a player withdrawing after a rough situation, another player rolled her ankle after a press conference, the number one in the world getting an injury right before her debut. Now a doubles player arrested after her match. Roly G, please. All I ask is to slow down a bit. 
So there's been a lot of narratives that have been oh, yeah. constructed during this French Open. Um, a lot of them messy. So if you'd like to uh, talk to us about um, some of that before we get on to um, the top three matches that we've seen so far, go ahead, um, Alex. No, I, I appreciate you asking me first. Um, you guys know how to make me feel special. Um, no, I, um, I mean, I plug away here on the Mini Break podcast. My biggest question coming out of the second round, it's got to be like, Iga Shviantek is 20 years old, and Uh she is always the – she's now the unequivocal favorite in the women's singles draw. And Mm -hmm. it's just how quickly that happened. In nine months, we have gone from, oh, like she won her first – she beat Halep in straight sets. We should probably watch now to the point where she's now won 10 consecutive matches or nine consecutive in straight sets, whatever it is. And just – it's yeah, nine because third round now. It's crazy. And just – it's funny because it passes the eye test as well, and – you know, some of us like to think we were on that bandwagon a little bit earlier. You saw just, again, the forehand, the way the ball exploded off of that wing, how solid she is off the backhand wing, how well she moves. And it's just a, it, it pad the serve as well. It all passes with flying colors. And then, you know, the fact that the results have manifested themselves this quickly. She's, what, like 26-5 and five in 2021 or something crazy like that or in her last 52 weeks and just been, you know, been abs- playing an absurd level of tennis. She is that good, yeah. and it mm-hmm. happened so fast. And, you know, again, with the difference with her and Osaka, we've just seen now Iga do it on hard courts and clay courts, and she's been so dominant on the clay courts as well. And then, you know, with Andrescu, you have her in the mix, and you still think, well, if healthy, that looked really, really good. And she served for the match against Sedanzic, which was something that happened a lifetime ago, but she ended up losing that match. And it's just like, yeah. there's another one. And and then of all of them, the person who had the worst form, Sonia Kennan, is the one still alive. Yeah. Like, she is the one still <laughs> playing still in the third round. And it's just, you know, between that, Von Drusova is a finalist. Is she the favorite on the bottom half? I test would suggest yes. She's been cruising. Like, just again, I suppose Serena looked good today against Danielle Collins, but I would say Von Drusova's played better tennis. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, so is she, the, is she the favorite? And if she's the favorite, like, that means Iga's the prohibitive favorite, and yet... Yeah. Again, it's all for me. That's and that's funny. That's storyline number one. Mm-hmm. Um, but that—that's yeah. the big one, right? Like again, I'll open it up. I, sorry for talking so much, but like thoughts, Claire. Like I feel like that's my storyline. Yeah, I mean, I—I've—I've I've admitted this before. My WT WT knowledge is quite shameful in comparison to ATP. But for me, I was just always like, oh, Serena's going to do it. Serena's going to come in. She's going to win. She's going to win this slam. She's finally going to get this record. Um, but yeah, like the more I watch Iga, the more I think, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if there's getting any any getting past mm. her. Like she's so so good and she's so young. You think what is she going to go on to achieve yeah. after this? But then we think about um, Pavs. Mm-hmm, we've got Pavs, mm-hmm. my draw for the the lucky dip. Yeah. I still think she's going to go yeah, far. Yeah. Yeah, I was shocked um, so, at her result today against Sabalenka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've got uh, Iga and uh, Sabalenka in my uh, finals. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Sabalenka will be fine. You know, she did well mm-hmm. for this clay season. Um, and uh, she just got bageled by Pabs. Yeah. So yeah. that was not fun to watch for me as a fan of Sabalenka. Yeah. Um, but going back to me. Iga real quick, <laughs> um, Courtney Nguyen, the WTA insider, she works for the WTA. She 
hyped up Iga for so long. Um, I think when she really started in 2019. So I went to see um, her uh, play a match at the Cincy Open and I um, just randomly ran into Courtney and I was like, wow, Iga is good. Um, I didn't know that she'd win a slam the year after mm -hmm. in um, 2020 for the French Open because, I mean, I didn't see her on clay, but she is cruising, yeah. so... I think she's gonna win it. She's like for me, like I've I was just saying, Alex, when you when when you when you joined to to start recording here, like, uh, like Serena is for me, like, uh, and like I'm I'm entirely on the ego hype wagon as well. Like I I love watching Ego play tennis, and I you know she is fantastic, uh, like unbelievable for her age as well. But for me at the moment, like out of any like tennis players currently playing like this French Open, like. I, I just find myself, like, most excited for Serena. Like, because I, I mm -hmm. think Serena's current storyline in tennis is unbelievably fascinating. I just think it's crazy cool because, like, is she going to reach 24? But there's so much more layers to it than is she going to reach 24. It's, can she control her nerves enough to reach 24? Can she, you know... Um, yeah. which is not to say about the greatest tennis player of all time. Like, can she control an S? But we've seen it in, like, the last few Grand Slam finals she's, she's got to. Nerves of 100% played a part in, you know, her, her losing them. And it's just, for me, watching her magic, like, whenever she's playing, I need to sit down and watch it because it's just, like, watching Serena at the moment is just, like, watching... Every, every match that Serena Williams plays, you're watching a part of history. It's just like, tennis yep. history because you don't know, like... It, are you watching like her take another step towards number 24 in this tournament you don't know like you don't know and you don't know if you know she's going to be able to like hold it together enough to like get 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 these match wins that she needs you know um so for me like if if it was e if because it's going to be eager for me it's going to be eager and serena right like like i think so and i think that would be outrageously cool to see like i just think that there would be you know I don't know that that would that that for me is like a dream final for me, and I would just love to see it take place. I don't, I don't know who would win it. I honestly have no idea. Like I, I can tell you, like and you know, Iga's clay form would suggest you know that she might well, <laughs> she might well you know win it quite easily. Who knows? I don't know. But um, for me, that would be a dream final, uh, and I just think yeah, I, actually yeah, there's so many kind of like storylines going on here in like the the women's side of it. Obviously, like Osaka, like we could talk about that for an entire episode. But um, yeah, you're right. Like this is literally only part one, like of this entire situation. Like, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for me, for me, that's like the the Iga and Serena currently at the end of week two. Like for me, it's like the kind of like two that are there, and I'm like, I don't, yeah, like those two are kind of if those two reach the final, that would be it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I feel like um, Serena is like you're saying the kind of she's making tennis history, yeah. and I think back to. I was just I was just googling there to actually double check how old Serena is because I was thinking mm -hmm. you know I was I was really young when I started watching Serena play tennis. Yeah. Um, I mean I think I might have been like I mean I might have seen Serena play her first match some something like ninety eight or ninety nine. Mm -hmm. So I would have been thirteen or fourteen. So I've gone through like my entire teenage years and well into my adult mm -hmm. life, and she's still going. Yeah. You know, she's still going, she's still playing, she's still it. winning. Yeah. And it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But actually, this is why, you know, just talking about... So Serena's... A, she's been probably the the most constant player throughout the WTA over the oh, years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
and this is why I feel quite ashamed about my overall WTA knowledge because there are so many other outstanding players mm. that just they just seem to come out of nowhere whereas the ATP is so different because it's just always been Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, Murray that's been your four for years since like the early 2000s that's been your four but the WTA has just changed constantly the world number one's changed constantly but Serena is always there yeah yeah, yeah she's, she's through it all she's always been she's there all. I think I guess that segues well into like the like the men's side of the French Open draw, like what? What are our thoughts? Like Alex, Alex, you want to kick us off with that? Like what? What? What do you reckon? What are your no? Absolutely no. And just to to wrap that last mm. conversation, because I would agree with you guys that on paper, like yes, by pedigree, Serena's there. Like Vika's still alive in the draw, but Vika's the French there, Open yeah. has never yeah. been, been yeah. her best tournament. And yeah. like again, Bedosa escaped today, bottom half, and like yes, but and she's probably in the bottom half, the person who's played the best throughout the clay court season. But it's like. Are we really going to put our marbles on Paula Bedosa Jaber? Mm-hmm. Going to say no, which gets back to the fact that Iga now finds herself 20 years old, the prohibitive favorite. It's crazy. At the same time, like it would be a tasty bit of irony if Serena's 24th slam comes at French Open of all places. Like at that point, yeah. she's like, you know what? I, I know Wimbledon's probably where I have my best shot, but I'm going to retire because this is too <laughs> funny. Um, and just like that's the joke you play on all of us. Yeah. But no, in terms of the men's side, I mean, you could say all of that about the bottom half of the draw as well. Like, yeah. Zverev has coasted into round number four. That's what he does now at Grand Slams. That's six in a row. And again, it's mm-hmm. never comfortable to talk about Alex Zverev, but just tennis-wise, you know, he can be an asshole. And at the mm-hmm. same time, that asshole finds himself in the fourth round, slam after slam after slam. That's yeah. just a fact now. Um, Tsitsipas, I don't know what the score is with Isner at this point. We're recording... Uh, you know about what are we? What are we at? I know Tsitsipas. I want to say he was up. Is it now? No, they split. Uh, Tsitsipas took the second on serve in the third, five four. So that match is getting tasty. But like, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. like, are we going to say it's now Daniil Medvedev because he whooped Riley Opelka today? Like, is he the favorite just because he's the two seed? That bottom half, it's going to be the final manifestation. You get like, you know. The the zig is to talk about Nadal, Djokovic, Federer in the same half. To that, I have to say, um, and I want to talk about the bottom half of the draw, where it's Zverev, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, collision course. Like Mm. that, as a next gen fan, that's what I'm all about. Uh, You know, if you did the math in your head, if I was 13 in 2008, I'm 25, turning 26 this year. Like I'm I'm ready to see the chaos we see slam in, slam out on the women's side happen on the men's side. And we're getting mm-hmm. a taste of it on the bottom half. Now, again, the final is going to be a coronation for Nadal or Djokovic like it always is. But uh-huh. but it's still fun to watch those guys hopefully slug it out here in the second week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. just from the vibe that you're giving off there generally, <laughs> would you... Would you agree? We've had a few guests, and I think um, I, I think Caitlin, Caitlin Thompson, like wh- when we had her on, she uh, she <laughs> talked in detail about her um, <laughs> how did I, I don't I don't want to don't want to misquote her, but I'm pretty sure she said boring, right? Was she bored of it? Was she bored of the big three like debate? The- yeah, she was like, if I never talk about the big three again, <laughs> that would be like the best thing. Um, walking into the sun, I believe, is one of her, yeah, word, that, her that, phrases that, that, for pre- it. I'm pretty sure, yeah, she, yeah. she was not a fan of it. Uh, like, we, we've, we've had a few guests on and we've, we, we've touched on it briefly. I can't remember what Ben Rothenberg said when we had him on, but like, 
Alec, yeah, what are your thoughts on it? Like, you know, is the gold debate boring you to death? Yeah, or like, I, you know, I, I got a sense that it might be, but um. Yeah, yeah no, I thoughts? mean, look, cue the applause or cue the sunset, Peter. But um, yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I, what is there? Look, I mean, the applause would come. I've done over a thousand podcasts. Yay! Crackrackets. dot com. Find cake them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but. Uh, what is there left to say? Like, yeah. what is the line you think you're? <laughs> what is the line you think you're going to say about Djokovic? Or the line you think you're going to say about Nadal or Federer that you think hasn't been said before? What are you adding that's unique to the conversation? There are some people who are yep. pretty good at doing it, but like most of the time, it's just a regurgitation of something we've been told for 15 years. Yeah. And like, again. Yeah, I, I like to think my brains is one of my better features. But like, if you're told something for 15 years and it doesn't stick, like you got bigger issues than worrying about the big three, my friend. Yeah. And like, I just think that all of the arguments have been flushed out. Like, the the only data point left to solve is who's going to end up with the most major titles. It's going to be Andy Murray. The comeback's coming. <laughs> we all know that. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it's it's like my bet would be Djokovic. Others will say, but Nadal's dominance at the French Open, that's fair. Like, yeah. the funny thing is, I mean, no one says fair Federer to say anymore. Rafa would be better than Novak uh, on this uh, case. <laughs> but yeah. Peter, Peter's on a joke of the I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, let's move on. I, think, I mean, I think we can agree that like, they're both going to overtake Federer, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Yes. So it's, it's and then one argument does he have left? That's the best. It's like, other than they're going to say, but he just epitomizes tennis, which is fair, mm-hmm. but the argument's not which of them epitomize tennis. The argument is which of them is the best player in men's tennis history. Yeah. And the answer is Sadly, it's Novak Djokovic. It is Djokovic. Mm. I would agree with that. <laughs> I, would have to, I would have to agree as well. Yeah, because because as much as like I love Nadal so much, but Nadal is the king of clay. And if Roland Garros did not exist, Rafa Nadal would be sitting on a much smaller... I can't do the maths in my head because I can't remember exactly how many he's currently holding. He'd have he'd, seven. Seven, he'd seven non-French he'd be, on, yeah. he'd be sitting on seven... <laughs> a measly seven <laughs> grand slams. You know, so like... I think you have to consider that you have. Whereas you look at Djokovic, I mean, okay, you could say the same actually for Djokovic because of the hard courts. He's like mm-hmm. he's dominated, but he's also won Wimbledon number of times. Yeah. He's won. Is he won Roland Garros? Is it once? Once. once? Yep. So yeah. he, he's had. He's had the. He's had the the, the Golden Slam. He's you know uh, Djokovic is in my opinion out of those three he'll go down in history as the greatest of all time. Sorry, Peter, I can see the way you're looking at me. I, I, I just want to. I, I want to jump in here as as somebody who agrees with with you guys, like and as somebody who classifies himself as a fairly big Novak Djokovic fan. If we're talking about hypotheticals, though, in terms of Roland Garros, like what about if you know there were two clay court majors, mm-hmm. like yeah. like there are two hardcore majors, you know, like Rafa might sit on like an astronomical amount, you know. So like, I mean, I guess if you're talking about hypotheticals, you have to, you know. Yeah, and also even, what if, what if there were if two what if there were two grass court majors like Andy Murray would have Andy had, would like, be on like yeah by now. absolutely exactly yeah. right. So no, the crazy yeah. thing when you put it in terms the thi- and it's all fair again, but it doesn't matter. The schedule is what it is. Like mm-hmm. that's why that's where the patience. I'm just like I yes I've heard that argument before and it's like that doesn't matter the schedule is what it is and that part you can't argue yeah but it's like no again it's i mean 
it's a Murray podcast, but that's why that 2012 match was just so good because physically Novak Djokovic can just do things you're not supposed to be able to do. Yeah, yeah. like you okay. can't slide like that, Novak, and yet he just does. Hardcore, and it's just like yeah. his his groin is just undefeated, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. Looks like, I mean, it looks like it, right? Like... No, it's apparently. Like, Let's talk guy... about Novak's undefeated groin. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. The man's clearly undefeated. That's um, the sound bite for this episode. Yeah, but it's just, yeah, it's just, um, the man is, yeah, it's possessed. And Nadal said it himself. He was like, when Novak plays like this, no one can beat him. And yeah. mm-hmm. that's, that's the argument, like, yeah. right there. There yeah. it is. I think... Like, you know, kind of like to begin like rounding out like the the, the big three conversation because I guess we've already talked about it more four, than four, more than any four. of us would big have like conversation. Big four, big, yeah, four, big four, of course, yeah. Um, yes. Do you think it's going to the, like I don't know like obviously everyone talks about like the the golden era of like uh, that we're currently in and like yeah you know uh, like that Al Djokovic Federer how much they've done for the game and when they're gone like we'll have nobody and like. It's almost we'll to the point where Andy Murray. Andy Murray will still be playing beyond the mall, of course. Um, but yep. like, it's almost getting to the point where you're made of metal now. So <laughs> he'll be around. You you always have to kind of wonder, like, you know, obviously everyone's like, yes, like this is a golden era. Like they've done so much for the game. They've done so much good for the game. You always have to wonder whether or not, like, their uh, you know continual success and like you know undoubted success that continues. Like, is it? <laughs> Is it, like, proving damaging to, like, the rest of the game? Like, where you're, like, you know, you ask any tennis fan, they know, like, you know, general tennis fan, like, they won't know anyone else in the top ten apart from those three players, yeah, you know? They, like, they only watch the slams. They only watch, yeah. and they only watch those three players, you know? And it's, like, almost at the point where you're, like, because these guys are getting, like, all the publicity and everything thrown at them because of their, yeah, obviously, well-deserved success, like... The rest of the game seems to be a little bit suffering, like, because nobody knows who anyone else is, and, like, nobody's getting the attention that they deserve outside of those guys, you know? Like, so it's almost at the point where you're like, right, is that not by the time you guys go out the game so we can focus on (laughs) building up other guys? But, um, I don't know, like, just for me, I'm like, I'm kind of getting to that point, too. I'm kind of getting to that point where I'm like, right. Let's like when no, are you, guys you just <laughs> you want you want the three of them to hang their rackets up so that Andy can make a comeback. Well, naturally, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like, show all it. those young whippersnappers how doesn't it everyone, does. Doesn't everyone? Like, yes. I I just need Djokovic to get the most majors and then we'll uh, we'll be fine. Yeah, no, uh, I just but... think I just think it's like wait for one of them to win one because. And a team has been out too much this year to really test this story fully. Yes. But it's like, how will people respond to them after they become major champions? Will they stick? Like, Medvedev mm-hmm. seems to be sticking in a way some of the other next geners haven't. Tsitsipas seems to be sticking with fans in mm-hmm. a way that prior, you know, a Dimitrov or a Rayonich never really did. Yeah. And they, like, if they win their first slam, now it's the pressure of, well, can they win a second one? And once they do that, people are always gravitating towards greatness. And so I think, like, it's really impossible to play everything out until you actually play it all out. And we see, okay, let's test the case. He's now a Grand Slam champion. Do people respond to him positively? And, like, I think, again, some of these personalities are there. Like, Mm -hmm. Medvedev's quirky in all of the right ways. It reminds you of the young Djokovic who kind of did his impressions and did his things, and you're like, oh, this guy's kind of funny. And, like, Tsitsipas is weird, but, like, it's the the cool weird. It's like, (laughs) oh, okay, you're weird, but, like, that's fine. Um, And they're all just a little different, and, like, and it's just it, it makes for a good it just depends we'll see like because for now you're right you're gonna see the reason you watch Federer Djokovic is because they're the ones at in the major finals and yeah, like 100%. that's a credit to them until that fact changes it's gonna be hard to change the dynamic can I just say though like 
I don't want any of them to ever become as great as the big four because I don't want any of them to ever have as many Grand Slams or as many Masters <laughs> titles as Andy Murray. As Andy Murray, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no, two away now. And that's, I you know, promise you, I hate to say it, one of them's getting to five. One of them like, is getting no, to five. No, I'm no, sorry. Alex. Yeah, it was I'm going so well. <laughs> yeah, no, one of them's getting to... I mean, like, yeah. but it's just by virtue, like... There are twenty, or there are forty Grand Slams per decade. Like someone's yeah. got to win them. Yeah. Like even yeah. if it's twenty twenty five, okay, there's twenty more. Like someone's winning five of the twenty. It's yeah. just like it's happening. I, I hate to say it, but it's it's probably happening. They'll, Hopefully, they'll, they'll never be as great though. They'll never be as great. No, uh, no. <laughs> it will never be that level of emotion making as Wimbledon speech. Yeah, yeah exactly. I agree. Um, but. Yeah, I guess I guess this is where we should probably segue on to matches, right? Like what what uh what what matches have, have stuck out for us in the in the in the first week so far of Roland Garros? Any like d- d- any instantly come to mind for yourself, Alex? Like any kind of like um oh, matches that have I that mean, really stuck in your mind? There are so many to pick from. That's the thing about the Grand Slam. That's why you need to listen to the daily recaps, the mini break podcast, of course, yeah, great yeah. stuff podcast, <laughs> cracked interviews podcast at crackrackets.com. Um, I mean, sorry. Long it's, age. It's, what a yeah, it's built in. It's built in. Um, I mean, there are so many. It felt like two sets to love deficits overcome throughout the course of the tournament, particularly early on. That Mackie McDonald Christian Green match is going to stick with me just because Mackie. To miss the two shots, the, the fact that I can remember the two shots he missed, 6-5, He or mm-hmm. excuse me, 6-all, 30-40, um, he literally makes that passing shot 99 out of 100 times. He misses it, then he missed the same ball on the deuce point, and it's just like, Garin ends up winning in three sets, and now Garin finds himself in his first French Open fourth round. That felt like a long time coming. Yeah. I thought the first set of Medvedev Paul was really really fun. Again, I'm like thinking of the individual sets and yeah, matches, that's and I'm fair. like, what are what yeah. are the things I've talked about? I mean, Jennifer Brady versus Fiona Farrow yesterday was really fun. That was fun. Yeah, that that was a really good match. I mean, oh, I'm trying to think. Like, are there there are too many to count. I they've it's, all it's been very very good. It? I, I was thinking about this earlier on that it's so tricky because there's just been so much tennis going on this week, and I've been trying to watch as much as I possibly can while also doing like my day job and yeah. I was like god all these the, the mat there's been so many that I've just started they've all started to blend into mm. one um but like for me um Serena uh versus Begu, Begu mm-hmm. I can never pronounce that name properly I'm so sorry every, every time if you're listening I really apologize um <laughs> She just tunes in every week for my reasons. Um. Uh, I just thought, and if you, you know, like you, you said, Alex, talking about looking at sets, the first set of that match so was good. incredible because yes. it was just who was who was going to win it, who was going to take it. Mm-hmm. You know, like Serena was up a break, and then she was down a break, and then she was up again. And um, yeah, I, I loved that match. I loved to watch that one. And I also really enjoyed um, Kachanov versus Nishikori. Yes, yeah, but, that was good. Fun. You know, I, you know, as in surprise, shock, news. Nishikori goes to five sets. <laughs> <laughs> Nishikori's continual five set record will never. What did he uh, say? What did he say when he was interviewed? I don't um, enjoy recently? five sets. <laughs> um, but I just, I really enjoy being on court or something yeah, like that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really pleased to see him back. I'm a, so I'm I, a big yeah. high fan. I like mm-hmm. him so. It, you know, I've, I've enjoyed watching his matches this week. Mm-hmm. Peter, what about you? Like, what kind of... Uh, so, I had written down quite a few. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, the Christian Green-Mackenzie uh, McDonald match went 
eight six in the fifth. Um, all the fans were yelling, and um, of course, because of the French curfew, they had to shuffle out. But there were still a lot of Chilean fans and uh, a lot of fans rooting for uh, Green um, just to, you know, will him on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, and he even thanked the fans afterwards. He stood up on the um, bleachers, and it was just really good. Yeah. Um, the Paula Badosa uh, Bogdan um, match. She finished um, like two hours ago, right? Yeah. Or an yeah, hour and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was two hours and 51 minutes. Just amazing. Yeah. Like, Paula's line clipper at the end, like, it was just he, really good. Badosa saved match point, didn't she? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, and um, I have her uh, going to the semifinals. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was, <laughs> like, willing her on. I was like, okay, just one more set. Yeah. She can do it. So I, uh, I, I, I switched on the TV, like, <laughs> like to watch that. Because I've I, I been out all day. And then I came, I came back and, like, turned on the TV and saw the final point. Like, uh, the, the final point. I was like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, that, that sounded like a fantastic match. I'll watch that back later. What's up next? John Isner. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> we won't get into John is there too much, but like I was like, all right, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, like that, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll need to go back and watch that one on repeat, to be honest, because yeah, like I, I, I hear it was like literally like match of the tournament, right? Like so far, mm-hmm. like and Easily. no one was expecting it to be a great one. No one was expecting there, it to be either. There's a bunch of good ones, you know, early on as well. We and Rescues of Danzig was fun for sure. Ken and Ostapenko first round was yeah. a yes, really fun very one, good. also that the mm. high quality also. But the, the perhaps the best part is how exciting the second week is shaping up to be because yes. we had a lot of good players like. You know, there have been a bunch of seeds eliminated, but it feels like the players who matter, at least particularly on the men's side, are still around. And then on the women's side, can anyone beat Iga is a good enough storyline in itself. Mm-hmm. 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 That That's like, yeah, like a good enough story to like carry on into this second week, really. I get like, you know, like, I, I, obviously, the, I guess the biggest upset, for me, the biggest like upset of the tournament so far, like, it, although it was an upset, because he wasn't really in form, was he? Like, team going out, like... He wasn't like, but like, th- even despite teams' form coming in, like I thought, like, I thought he would still like do better than he did, right? Like, because like he kind of like fell away, didn't he? Like he didn't like, and then he spoke afterwards a little bit about really struggling to find like he said he'd been training as hard as he ever has, and he just kind of like lost his motivation. So I guess that was the biggest upset for me in this tournament so far. I guess like I don't know, like would you guys agree with that? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say upset, but it was. It was the biggest, you know, first round match to be like, okay, yeah, you know, he just, he couldn't get across the line, and I, I get it. Like he doesn't seem like he's mentally there at the moment, ready, yeah, to like be a Grand Slam champion. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, uh, Pablo Anderhart, like he just beat Federer, so yeah. I mean, that was one of the first round matches that I circled. I was like, that's going to be a tough one for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's I would, fair. the only thing I would say is Dominic Team is a Grand Slam champion. So yeah. I would argue he, he's definitely ready. Um, yeah. He, yeah. yeah, he did it. And so it, it was just, but he wasn't playing well coming into this event. Yeah. Like, two no, things he wasn't. can be true. Yeah, I know. No, yeah. it's like, again, I think it's one of those two things can be true. Like, he was bad in that match, particularly to be up two sets to love. You can't lose that match if you yeah. want to be a multi time slam champion. At the same time, bad matches happen. Like, it's yep. uh, the, it's just like exactly. the deuce points didn't go his way. He was up, I think, a break in the third set before things started to go, uh, you know, a little bit yonder on him. Mm. But, um, yep. like, 
Yeah, it was again. He just he didn't have the goods, but and and he needed the goods because Andahar played that well. I, yeah. But I do agree that was definitely one of the stories of the first week because yeah. it would have been it, it had he been impressive and won a couple of straight set matches, maybe had a four setter here or there, found his rhythm as the week would have gone along. He would have been mm-hmm. considered a contender entering week two for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, yep. that's fair. For sure, that's fair. I guess. Yeah, I guess I kind of leads us on to like the last kind of real question that we have right like who do we have down winning like the oh. entire tournament like uh, alex come on alex come well, i on. mean the easy pick on the women's side is Iga. the pick i want to make is like if contave beats her tomorrow then like it's contave's tournament to lose because i'm big con- i just like okay. it's not that, no believe me that's not true uh that's just the spicy take i want so people are like Ooh, what's he saying <laughs> like should i listen to more of it um, but no i mean it's egos to lose on the women's side on the men's side i even if rafa lost this year i need to see him lose two years in a row before i'm ever picking against him at the french open it's like okay even if he loses once fine but like you gotta be it's his to lose he, yeah. if he wins this year he'll have he'll have pete sampras the french open 14 grand yeah. slam titles in one location when you put it like that it's freaking insane mm-hmm. um yeah, it is not like he's he's officially been succeeding at the french open for one full cicada cycle that's another mm-hmm. way to look at it it's like literally 17 <laughs> years of rafa dominance yeah um uh, thank you for laughing, Peter. I was a little bit nervous about that joke. <laughs> and you laughed, and I'm like, good, it landed. Um, Peter, has, so thank Peter you. has your back. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, it's like if just for him, it worked. Um, yeah. So it's I, that was, I mean, those are the most boring picks, but like, give me the two defending champions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better fair. be boring than wrong. That's fair. Yeah, no, that's reasonable. That's reasonable. Claire, you you agree with that? Yeah. Well, my my, my head says Iga for the women. My heart says Serena. Because I just want to see her win so much. For sure. Um, For the main, my head says Rafa, and my heart still says Andy. You know, (laughs) up until until, until Sunday, I was still saying everyone, no, he's going to come back and he's going to win it. (laughs) But in in all seriousness, I can't see past Rafa for the main's title. I just can't. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Peter? It's going to be Iga and Rafa. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. Peter's just coming right here and saying it. It was an easy call. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> so. you know what, guys? Like, this episode, like... I'll, well, I'll no, pro- can, if I may interject, let's do the flip version. All right, we all are picking Iga and Rafa. Right. But if it's not them, you get one mulligan. It's okay. not them. Who's it going to be? I'll go last to buy myself some time. Um, okay. Yeah, I was raised okay. well. Ladies first. Claire, give us okay. your picks. Okay, okay. If it's, if it's, if it's not them, it's going to be... Um, Pavs because she's I love pick. it. Okay, sure. And Djokovic. That's a little boring. I expect. Oh, a little oh sorry. Spice. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I'm that just was kidding. boring. <laughs> no, that's a pick great pick. Else. That's a great pick. Uh, Peter, your picks. Um. Well, my heart, like, if it's not Rafa, because I want him to be a little bit higher than a few others in the major titles. Uh, (laughs) it would be Stefanos um, who he's doing well right now against Isner I believe he Um, just took the third set 7-6 yeah he's going to win that I think Um, it would be uh, Stefanos and Serena that's fair fair Scott I'm going to change my pick to Medvedev as soon as y'all call me boring Medvedev (laughs) you know what you know what I was actually like and you know what? I'm, I'm gonna spicy. I'm gonna circle back. I'm gonna circle back to the initial because I didn't get a chance. Like, 
you, you, you were like, oh, everyone's oh picking. I, I got so excited. <laughs> and, and, well, you were like, <laughs> oh, I assumed. Everyone's oh, picking no, Rafa Scott. and Eager. Everyone's picking Rafa and Eager. I don't know. Like, I... I have a feeling about Novak. Novak's coming for this title. Uh, so that Iga, Iga, like Iga and Novak is are the two that I think will win this tournament. That'll work as long as it's one different name. I like that. Yeah, and so. But if uh, not Iga, uh, if not Iga, I, I I have to. I just have to go with Serena. I just have to go with Serena. Like, I just, I I don't know. Like, I just like. I, I, again, I won't go on anymore about her storyline. I just, I just love her so much, and I just need her, need her, need her to get the twenty four. So, um, especially after I like, think we can, all I, can I just run up quickly about like the Eurosport poll that was that was that was that was done <laughs> earlier this week, Please. like where it was like will Serena win twenty four, and like seventy five percent, like like seventy five percent of people have said no. So like I was just just like I just need I need I just need Serena to do it, and then so I can like screenshot that and just be like. Fuck you all. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I I want to be doing that. I want to be doing that. Um, and uh, on the men's side, you know what, Claire? You kind of stole my pick. I I would love to see Medvedev so after all this hatred of Clay, after all this kind of chit chat about how bad it, how bad Clay is, and how he doesn't want to even. Well, I'm pretty sure he said <laughs> a few weeks back he doesn't want to work to improve his clay court form. Um, I, I I would just love it. I just think it would be such a you know. <laughs> ridiculous it was almost like he was trolling himself it would be it would be yeah no it would be it absolutely would be and i i I would just love to see it take place like i just think it like it would be hilarious um and you know what like as this french open rolls on with all the different like all the chaos that's going on like it would be such a fitting like (laughs) such a fitting way to end it if medvedev somehow won it Uh, peter peter i know you're not huge (laughs) like on medvedev either (laughs) I'm still trying to soften my position to, on him, and I was on a Twitter space with uh, one of our friends who mm-hmm. is a really big Medvedev fan, yeah. and I'm like, uh, yeah. yeah. That's fair, that's uh, fair. Well, you know what, yeah. if he wins the French Open, you might, you know, you might, you might win your own, no? Like, <laughs> I mean, if he defeats Novak. Oh, you, you were going <laughs> to If he beats Novak in the final. Um but yeah, that's that, that. Those those would be the those would be the stories for me. But you know, uh, what I was gonna say like a few minutes ago, like so I'm gonna edit this this show probably like tomorrow evening and hopefully have it up for Sunday. Um, do you realize? Like, some of the um, imagine if there's like a day of upsets tomorrow oh, and like and Nadal goes out, Djokovic goes out, you go, like can you imagine? Like, don't, can, you, don't. can you imagine? This happens all the time. It does. It, it does happen all, all the time. You're going, yeah. You, excited for after things and we're looking forward to this and then literally the next day or two days Everything later changed, it's yeah. like oh yeah that's not happening anymore yeah like, yeah and money in nottingham for example yeah yeah exactly it did an entire effort on, that, yeah. <clears throat> on our last yeah. episode we were so excited and now he's not yeah. even fucking going <laughs> 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 claire i feel like you've got some pent up rage in yeah no i oh, god i, I agree and that's why, by the way, you go daily. So that um, if yeah. it does happen, you're like, hey, get, this is Tuesday. Guess what happened Tuesday? And yeah. it's just like, exactly. It's, it's, it's all full circle. But no, I would say, because, uh, you know, I got to give my spice. Zverev's got the physical profile to do it just because a six foot six lefty who hits the backhand as well as anyone against Nadal has always been the recipe. But Tsitsipas has the gumption where he's like, hey, I'm just going to swing. And if yeah. I swing freely, I can win. Mm-hmm. And like... I, that's why, and I mean, obviously, Djokovic. If he beats Nadal, he becomes the front runner. But yeah, um, I mean that that would be the pick for me. Is probably Tsitsipas, 
Uh, uh, I mean, just by virtue of getting to the final, it's going to be Iga, but I'll take Eeny, Meeny, Miny, not Coco Golf, but that would be a sec. I'm just going to name every name. So you're like, oh, he kind of said all of them. Spitalina's in that section, Sakari, Mertens, no, um... Svelina's not winning. I'm saying Vondrusova. Vondrusova's making the final in the bottom half, and by virtue of being in the final, she's got the second best shot, I'll say. Fair play. Fair play. Fair play. That's a a reasonable reasonable kind of uh, rounding out. I guarantee she gets upset now. That was like that. That was was too definitive because that was like a a comprehensive case, and you just look at tennis (laughs) abstracts. Like, uh, they do their forecast for, again, sorry, this gets nerdy here, but the tennis abstract forecast, it's like, Iga's a 27.5% favorite, the only other person, there are two others over 10%, mm-hmm. Bedosa's 11.3, Svitolina's uh-huh. 10.9, and it's like, am I putting my marbles on Bedosa? No. No. Um, Svitolina would have to beat, she'd have to do it, Iga would be the semifinal match. And I think if someone beats Iga in that section, whether it's that, that Iga section is loaded. Like poor yeah, freaking Bavara Grachova is like, are you serious? Like mm-hmm. I got the easiest opponent and it's Marta Kostyuk. Like, man, fuck, <laughs> like, fuck you guys. Um, and like, that's just a brutal section. So I think that whoever comes out of the top half wins it. So I guess by virtue of that, I'll say Svitolina is my second choice. But with all that said, give me, See, that's called hedging your bets. That really is, yeah. I like it. I will say, uh, for the record, I have Svetlana winning the French Open as her first major. Um, I've said that for years now. Um, I mean, she was the junior um, titleist, right? Yeah, she was. Yeah. um, Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Could she win this year? Mm, I don't. I just don't. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. Who knows? I I guess who knows, right? Guess that's yeah. why we're sitting here chatting about it hypothetically. Um, but um, but yeah, was there anything else that we wanted to chat about in this episode? We always ask this at the end, Alex. Like we're so unprofessional, we're not ever prepared for anything, so we just ask um, <laughs> if there's anything else. Like just flat out on the recording, and I never edit it out either. I just, I'm, I'm I'm including I'm including this ramble right now in the episode. Um, was there anything else that we had to ask at all? I'm chatting. Um, no, I think we hit everything. I would I say, Peter. Peter, you look like you have something. I would like to talk about Sloan Stevens and Carlos Suarez Navarro oh, okay. that match. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was good. It yeah. was. That was a good match to cap off yeah. her French Open. But, but do you not, Carla do you not also think out. that they could have done better by her and not put yeah. her on an empty court? Yeah. Yeah. I... They've done that apparently for a lot of the French men too, mm. um, leaving them at the last uh, scheduled time. Yeah. yeah I'm not so sure. I'm not sure. Like, what, no what's, the, what's the thought process there from like. It's the FFT. Like, the thought process is not yeah, there. I don't, think, I don't think there is a thought process. <laughs> yeah, they don't bother, do they? Yeah, I um, I I the end of that Sloane Stevens and Carla match. Like, yeah, it's um, it's quite a shame that she. Yeah, that that, I feel that like that she should have had a crowd just applauding her off the court. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. and uh, I mean, it was a really good match as well, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. uh, from from the highlights and three stuff. Three set like. match. Um, but yeah, I think, I'd, I'd, you know, like, I, if if we're if we're trying to put like positiveness on it, it's just it was just great to see her back, wasn't it? Like, you know, and uh, I don't think this is her final match, she'll, though, right? I think she'll she's, be at Wimbledon, right? 
Yeah. Was she not even for she the? She said the U.S. Open was US going Open. to be her. Oh, okay, final. so yeah. she's got, and Goodbye. I think she's going to try the Olympics as well, right? Although, mm-hmm. you know, I, okay. I think she, I think that's what she said. She's going to try and get a. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Maybe she won't. Maybe she won't. Like, cause protected ranking. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure what what she'll do there. But um, yeah, it was just really good to kind of see her there, you know. And um, I think. Sloane is just such a lovely person that I think, you know, if I she was... I love Sloane Stevens. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I'm think... such a huge fan. She's finding a rhythm, yeah. by the way. Like, you know what? If there's a dark horse in the women's side, Sloane Stevens. I'm just saying. I'm just putting it yeah. out there. I, you know, I'm just speculating that. But, um, yeah, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Any any final any final thoughts? Any final thoughts on the French Open, folks? No? Are we good? I, I would just... My final... Th- oh, sorry. Did I cut you off? No, there? go on. No, no, no. Oh, I would say my final thoughts are just thank you for having me in general. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to always get to chat tennis, and this was very, very fun for whatever sure. it's worth. Yeah, I don't know. Again, my opinion's not very valuable. I, I repeat it so frequently so that people think are fooled <laughs> into thinking it is. It's not. Um, but, you know, death by repetition, that's what I do best, at least <laughs> that's what my parents have said. Anyways, um, no, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for you guys having me on the show. Uh, I appreciate all you guys do, too. Again, as a Murray fan, I'm in. Like, you guys, this was, this was the show for me. Like, did we do enough Murray talk? I've got another... <laughs> I, I know the truth is I got another four hours in me like we can just record an extra, extra yeah exactly it's the bonus segment um, um but no I again I, I appreciate it I I do think again it's and all podcasts are good podcasts because tennis needs more platforms of people talking about it and mm-hmm. niche podcasts in particular are I have an affinity for and an Andy Murray specific podcast <laughs> like where has that been my whole life come on uh, I mean, yeah, we, yeah I mean, wait, wait, wait until 2021. We can speculate on that if you want, like about, you know, the, the ridiculousness of us making an Andy Murray podcast in Listen, 2021. Listen, we could go for years because all we, we need to do is delve into the Andy Murray archives. There's yeah, exactly. Right. In there to talk yeah. Exactly about right. for the next yeah. 10 years. Exactly right. You know what? And that's what we'll do. Like, and I think that image of us just you know in 20 years from now still doing murray musings um yeah. do you is, remember you know, do you remember in 2008 when, when he jumped up out of the kids i'm getting closer um, <laughs> you know what i think yeah i think that brilliant image or slightly depressing if you think about it too much but no very That's very brilliant. happy image um of uh, of of murray musings in a few years is a great way to kind of wrap up this episode um alex thank you so much yeah absolutely thank you so much for coming on um the door it's is awesome always to speak to you absolutely the door is always open for a return for you alex um, i appreciate that anytime you fancy thank you, alex. you fancy jumping back on an episode with us you're perfectly welcome um so yeah Thank you very much to our listeners again. Um, we're always surprised that you keep on coming back. So uh, <laughs> please, please keep continuing to do so. Um, uh, and yeah, I've been Scott. He's been Peter. She's been Claire. And that, of course, has been Alex. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.